What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining me here for this Tuesday edition of Fantasy MLV Today. We're a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe O'Rico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. We post all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes out on that page. Everything we got on the baseball side, essentially, gets shared out through EthosFantasyBB. So if you're still on Twitter, go check it out. If you're not on Twitter anymore or you never were to begin with, SportsEthos.com is the place to be going for all of our great content across all four major sports. We got DFS, we have gambling, we have team coverage that's not related to fantasy, uh, pretty much everything we got over at SportsEthos.com. So regardless of if you're on Twitter or not, I'd highly recommend going over there and checking it out. But today's Tuesday. You know what Tuesday is. If you guys listen regularly, it is our mailbag show. We're going to be going through your questions that you guys left earlier today on Twitter. And we got a lot of them. I really appreciate when there is this much interaction. Uh, We got about 30 questions to get through. Now, some of them are repeats. Some of them are very similar. A couple of them are dynasty ones. And you guys know how I feel about the dynasty questions in general. So we're going to get through not all of them, but we're going to get through most of them and the pertinent ones we will be talking about as well. So let's start off with the first question here from a longtime listener, Joe. uh, Joe G over in New Jersey. All in on what Nick Pavetta is doing as a quote-unquote bulk starter? No. Uh, I I mean, definitely liked what we've seen out of Pavetta recently. It was a horrible start to the year. I mean, I don't really think Nick Pavetta is that good, to be perfectly honest. I don't think he really ever has been that good. But he's come, you know, usually working like after an opener, bulk, you know, Joe's phrasing as a bulk starter. Uh, I think a lot of the time they're using uh, an opener or he's coming in in the third or second, whatever. Uh, So he's not technically starting games. He's still been very good over the last month. Uh, You know, he's a top 100 player, top 85 player, more precise, 25 strikeouts, over 17 innings. He's got a couple victories, good ERA, sub one whip. But at the end of the day, it's Nick Pavetta, right? Especially with those lack of starts. So if you're in a quality start league, there's there's really nothing there. Even if you're just in a regular wins, standard 5x5 kind of league, I don't really see there being enough value in Nick Pavetta in any individual category or, you know, anything at all, really, for him to make him worthwhile. Uh, You know, he's not going to win that many games, likely. Uh, They're probably the worst team in the division. I don't think that's a hot take. The Red Sox are the fifth best team in the American League East. Wins are going to be few and far between. Pavetta doesn't have historically great strikeout numbers, ratios either. There's just nothing really there that would make me want to buy in. Maybe in a very deep situation, in a very deep league, you could be talked into it, but I just really have no interest uh, in adding Nick Pavetta right now. Uh, Also from Joe, better second half for runs, stolen bases, and average. I'd have to go with Lars Newtbar here between the options he's given me. It's Newtbar and C.J. Abrams. I know Nupar has been relatively disappointing. He has missed some time a few times this year. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, for, considering he's only been 220 at-bats, he's got 37 runs, 25 ribbies, 5 homers, 5 steals. <clears throat> it's been pretty good. Uh, overall, what Nupar has given you, it's hard not to be all right with it. You know, I, not to say that you're happy with it, but considering the time he's missed, it hasn't been that bad. C.J. Abrams... He's been around most of the season as well, and you know he's gotten better. Certainly gotten better recently, but you're essentially just getting stolen bases out of C.J. Abrams. Little bit of power, but I think overall, if you look at what Newbar does, and you know you could maybe make the argument for Abrams if you want to say he's going to get better throughout the year or whatever. But I just can't put my eggs in that basket of a guy who is in such a horrible offense. Washington's offense is really terrible. Uh, C.J. Abrams, you know, he's recently been leading off. Off the last couple games, if that sticks or not, I'm really not sure. Uh, There's a lot of variables there with him, and I don't see as many with Lars Newpar. Now, there's a bit of a crowded situation in St. Louis still, but Newpar will get his at-bats in. 
it's a better lineup. He'll also be at the top of that lineup. It's quite a bit better lineup, in all honesty. Uh, I just don't have that much interest in Abrams. Unless you're specifically just going for stolen bases, and Joe's here, Joe here saying run, stolen bases, and average. I'm going to go with Newtbar as a whole. I think you're going to have more runs, and I think you're going to have a better average out of him. Probably give stolen bases to C.J. Abrams, though. Uh, thoughts on you, Darvish? He's looking like just a name value at this point. People are just, and I understand what he's saying, people just see you, Darvish, and they just want to you know, keep starting him because he's you, Darvish, <clears throat> when in reality the numbers are really rough for this season. 487 ERA, a 127 whip. The strikeouts are kind of unexceptional, 89 of them in 85 innings. And not a lot of victories either, just five victories through the All-Star break. My advice with you, Darvish, you Darvish owners, is to sit him for the time being and start him once once it starts to look a little bit better. Uh, he's not somebody that I would drop because there's still a good potential for a lot of wins down the stretch in San Diego. If he does get right, and you can we've seen it last year, you know, even when he doesn't look right off the get-go, because when last year started, <clears throat> 2022, U Darvish's strikeout rate was way down. He looked pretty much cooked. And he ended up picking it up over the course of the whole season <clears throat> and gave you a 310 ERA, a sub one whip, 16 victories. We have seen him turn it around before. I think there's too much value in you, Darvish. That's where the name brand thing kind of can bite you in the ass because sometimes you hold on too long because, hey, it's a name. But generally, it is those quote unquote names who are more likely to turn it around once they you know, have a bad start to the season. So I think you, Darvish, in all formats is still a hold. I'd put him on the bench. You know, he's going to start against the Phillies out of the break. I wouldn't want to start him there. I'd understand it. Maybe, you know, you think, well, okay, second half, something's different, blah, blah, blah. I'd understand it, but I think for the time being, <clears throat> the best place for you, Darvish, is probably on your bench. <clears throat> uh, moving on here, uh, I got a question from Carl, and it's an interesting one. What relief pitchers are you stashing in a saves-only league with the trade deadline coming up? We had a relief pitcher-centric show a couple weeks ago with Greg Jewett and Mike Carter, and we talked about a lot of the bullpen situations that are more in flux. We talked about 10 different teams uh, where there's not as much security there in terms of it's a committee or there's a guy who might be traded or whatever. And the conclusion that we came to, the three of us, more so Greg and Mike, because what they focus on is that there's really not that much value that's going to be opened up at the trade deadline in terms of relief pitchers this season. There's always a chance that somebody gets traded. I think the most likely one would be like David Robertson, potentially. Uh, but I don't really see that many opportunities where you're going to be able to stash uh, a guy in waiting and have him really pan out in the second half of the season. Because I just don't see that many opportunities potentially opening up. Maybe the Brewers trade Devin Williams. I don't really see it happening. There's a couple of maybe situations like that where if you want to take the setup man... I guess he could do it, but I don't even think it's really worth stashing those guys in advance. If there's a move that happens, then you can kind of be reactionary on the day of. But in terms of going way out of your way to stash like an Ottavino or somebody who is just, I don't know, has some value, I guess, but is not in the closer situation, I just don't really think there's that much need to do that kind of thing. Uh, in some years, you can really see that strategy have value if you know there's a closer who is very likely to be traded, then you can take the next guy in line. It usually will work out for you. This year, there's just not many names that are, I think, <clears throat> going to be traded uh, at the trade deadline in terms of high-end leverage closers. So I, I think the best point there, the best thing you can do is to hold off on any kind of stash and keep your team as it is. Of course, if there's an upgrade to be made in the lineup or starting pitchers, whatever, do it. But I don't think <clears throat> you should be sacrificing your current roster in the hopes of getting a closer that's going to be a relief pitcher that will be a closer uh, come August 2nd, August 1st. So I wouldn't be doing it. 
uh, personally for now. I understand if you kind of want to maybe speculate in New York, a couple of spots, but in Milwaukee as well, maybe the Angels with Estevez, but I just don't really think it's that likely we're going to see that many trades happen here. Um, we got one from Ryan here. Um, I have a home run hitting team, Pete Alonso, Kyle Schwarber, Fernando Tatis. It's a 50 in category league. We didn't specify which category, so that could really be anything. Um, was this the best way to draft Four outfielder, five infielder? My average is terrible. Uh, and I did specify here. I asked him, it is a head to head league. Um, I think it's a viable strategy in a head to head league to punt a category. And if the category that you've chosen to punt is batting average, that's totally okay. Uh, you know, in a roto setting, it's not as advisable. You might come to that point down the end of the season where you say, okay, I'm so far behind in runs, I don't really need to worry about runs anymore. Or saves or any of the 10 categories. You might get to that point where, by default, you're almost punting it. <clears throat> and you can kind of start to see generally now, if you're in a roto league, maybe you already could over the last few weeks or month, to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm 12th or I'm 15th in, in home runs. I'm back by 62 home runs. Likely, it's not going to happen for me in that category this year. Trade away some of your home run hitters. Bolster the other categories. That is a totally viable strategy come midseason. When you're drafting in Roto, I try to be as you know balanced as possible. Try not to give up too much of anything. Try not to stack too much of anything. In this particular case, Alonzo Schorber and Tatis is a fine trio to have. Between the three of them there, you could be looking at close to 150 home runs in a given season. Alonzo showed he can hit 50. Schorber's hit 46 last year, and Tatis is very capable of hitting 50. You're giving up a little bit of average. Tatis isn't a horrible batting average guy. Alonzo's not horrible either. It's more so Schwarber there who's really killing you. Uh, you know, you're pretty much asking, was this the best way to draft? I don't know if it's the best way to draft, but it's a viable strategy for sure. Uh, in a head-to-head -head format specifically to say, okay, and I wouldn't necessarily do it before the draft. We're getting into draft strategy here midseason, but it's okay. Uh, it's kind of fun to think about and talk about drafts. I wouldn't go into the draft and say, you know, regardless of what happens, I'm punting average, I'm punting stolen bases, I'm punting X, Y, and Z. I would kind of just let the draft come to you. If you see in the first few rounds you've taken a bunch of speedsters, okay, that's fine. You don't need to take so much more speed. Um, and maybe you can lean into that kind of build once you've seen the way the draft is going. Uh, the first four picks that you have are all zero stolen base guys. Maybe you punch stolen bases, you worry about the other categories. You go for those Corey Seager, Pete Alonso, Kyle Schwarber types, whatever. Uh, totally, totally viable strategy. I think that you're fine. Uh, you know, your average is terrible. And that's just something that's going to happen in this kind of build. It looks like you did lean into it, and I don't have a problem with it at all. Like I said, head-to-head -head leagues, this is something you can do. It's kind of fun to do as well because those other categories, you kind of – it's fun to have different builds. It's fun to have a couple teams with this build, a couple teams with that build. Uh, I kind of like to mix it up, but I do definitely think if you're doing a bunch of leagues, uh, it makes sense to have one league or two leagues where you're using a punch strategy. Not like it's the – the be-all and end-all, you know, you need to be doing this kind of thing. But it is a fun way uh, to mix it up as well, I think. Uh, is Rizzo a drop in a 10-team dynasty league? Yeah. Uh, he's saying he's got Goldschmidt and Spencer Torkelson as his first baseman. Rizzo's riding the bench mostly. No one wants him in trades. Get rid of him. There's no need for Anthony Rizzo in a 10-team anything league at this point. There was a couple of questions about Anthony Rizzo. Another guy asked, uh, is Rizzo cooked? Yeah, I, I don't know if he's cooked necessarily, but he's awful at this point. Uh, it doesn't really matter what kind of terminology you want to use. No home runs over the last month. He's batting 213. For the season, he's looking at 11 home runs, a 257 batting average. It's not good. It's, it's really not great. The average is better than you probably expected with Rizzo, 
but it's coming down. It's going to keep going down. Uh, really, all you can maybe hope for is some power in the second half. And I think that generally speaking, if you're just looking for power, that's fairly available on most 10 team waiver wires. It's not that difficult, especially Dynasty. There's a lot of options there. Uh, you know, obviously, it depends on your format, how many people are rostered, and all that. But I don't think Rizzo deserves a spot on 10 team leagues at this point. Uh, Rayleigh, Manessis, or Votto. This is a uh, 12 team head to head cats. I'm holding on to Christian Encarnacion Strand with no NA spot. I'd take a chance on Joey Votto there. Joey Votto has looked really, really good so far. He's hitting a lot of dingers. He's in the middle of a really exciting lineup. It's a very early, you know, 57 at-bats, but he's been really good, and I think we can only expect that batting average to come back a little bit more. I know last year wasn't so great. He missed some time. This year he's missed time as well, but we're not talking about a guy who's going to hit in the low 200s. It doesn't matter if he's selling out for power a little bit. You're going to see a better batting average than 246 with Votto. I, I would bet my life on it, pretty much. Um, over the course of the season, I think I would bet on Votto over Manessis, who's gotten a little hot streak right now. I've never been a big Manessis guy. And really, I really do like. I just think the playing time is going to be fairly inconsistent. Uh, you, you could make that argument for him, but I think that Votto is the guy that I would personally choose here. Uh, would you trade away Strider for Valdez and Michael Harris for the second half? I think it's fair. I think it's a fair trade. Personally, I wouldn't be able to trade Strider for that, but I do think that it is requisite value where you can say, okay, I'm not getting ripped off here. Like This is this is a reasonable trade. I think Framer Valdez is easily a top 10 pitcher down the stretch. I think Michael Harris is somebody that it's hard to say at the top of your head like where you'd rank an outfielder, but I mean, he's been over the last month nearly a top 20 player. He's hitting home runs. He's stealing bases. I hate that he's still at the bottom of the of the lineup for the Braves, but you know he's going to end up outperforming last year's home run total most likely, uh, stolen base total, and I know it's going to be more at bats, but you'll probably see him get that run total pretty close to last year as well. Uh, it's not. It's definitely you know I'm trying to gloss it. It's definitely been more disappointing than we would have expected from Harris, but he's been really good recently. You pair him with Valdez, I think that's a fair trade for Strider. But personally, I wouldn't want to trade Strider at this point still. Uh, is $23 trade Turner still a good dynasty keep in a 12-team head-to-head category uh, on base percentage league? Yeah, uh, I'm not ready to write off trade Turner yet. I think it's still very early on in the game to be talking about how he's, you know, he stinks now and all this crap. Like, he's been a lot better recently. He's only 30 years old. He's not somebody that I'd be willing to write off uh, just yet. And it's, we're not really, really particularly close either. Uh, beginning of a new contract, we see this all the time. And I know there's some people who will say, oh, the quality of contact and this and that. And there are, you know, some viable things you can look at that say he is not as good as he used to be. But it's still Trey Turner. We're coming from such a high place where he was that even if he is declining a little bit, I'm not worried about the long-term outlook for him. Also, Dynasty League, he is still the guy that I would keep there. Uh, Which SP rebounds first, Christian Javier or Alec Manoa? I said Manoa, but it's close. Manoa just came back and had a really excellent start, albeit against the Tigers, but it's definitely a step in the right direction. I think a lot of it is mental with Manoa. I think more so than anything, it's either A, an injury, or B, something mentally blocking him, and maybe even a little bit of both. Uh, With Javier, I don't know what the hell is going on. He has always thrived on his strikeout numbers. This year, his strikeouts have been awful. The whip has been awful. It started off as a really good season for Christian Javier, but over the last month, he's ranked outside of the top 1,000 players. Outside of the top 1,000. Uh, he's outside the top 300 for the season now, and it has been really bad. Manoa at least has a little bit of momentum positively here. So he's the guy I would lean to, but I think it is pretty close. 
Uh, will Adbert Alzale be the primary closer going forward for the Cubs? He's locked in there. Uh, it looks like he is fully locked in there. It's what Mike and Jeff were, or Mike, geez. Sometimes I will say Jeff. I think it's the Greg Jewett, and I'll just, I don't know, I'll go to his last name. Apologies, Greg. Greg Jewett, that is his name. I don't know where I get the Jeff from. Uh, but yes, according to them, and according to everything that we're seeing, Adbert Alzale is going to be the guy who is the closer moving forward in Chicago. He's the, he's the arm to roster in that bullpen. Uh, best hitting prospect coming up in the second half, I have to assume, Christian Encarnacion Strand. It's been a while. We've been waiting on it. But uh, he is the next big guy to come up, I think. Uh, we'll have to see what the Reds do. But he would be the, who I put my money on here. Tucker or Julio? Rest of season. This is a tricky one. Uh, I went with Tucker. I think it's slight lean to Kyle Tucker. He's been super good over the last, uh, I guess it's like a month or so. Uh, he's like a top 15, 10 player over the last month. Five homers, five steals, 21 runs, 18 ribbies. Uh, he's got the season numbers really high up. If you remember, he kind of you know took a dent last year because his batting average was so bad to begin the season, and then he ended up with a 257 average, kind of you know deflated his overall ranking and everything. He's up to 288 for the season. He's going to have more steals. He'll probably have more runs, almost definitely more runs. Uh, RBIs will be close. Homers will be close. Everything will be the same pretty much as last year, except with a better batting average. Julio, it's looking like everything is going to be you know, slightly bit worse, maybe more, some more steals uh, for sure because everybody's stealing like crazy, but it will be a worse batting average, probably fewer RBIs or close number of RBIs. Runs will be fairly close. He's generally been kind of disappointing. Uh, you know, Tucker was a little bit to start the year. Julio... Even though he's been at the 57th ranked player for the season, which is still excellent, not quite what you were expecting when you drafted him. Still very good. Still got a lot of faith, but Kyle Tucker is the guy I would go with here. Um, where does Jackson Holiday get drafted next year? This one's a good question. He won't be up to start the year, and I mean, I don't think he will be, especially after what we saw with Grayson Rodriguez and some of their prospects who we were pretty sure were going to start the year with the team. They didn't. I would expect Jackson Holiday to be up after a couple months next season, and I think it's viable to draft him with your last pick or your second last pick and then stash him and then just see what happens. Especially if you have those NA spots, then it's it's a fairly easy decision to, to take him with one of your last picks. But even if you don't, the talent is there. We know he can be, you know, we've seen what happened with Corbin Carroll and Julio and Bobby Witt in their rookie seasons. We could, we could see that exact same kind of thing from Jackson Holiday. He's that special of a prospect. I know I'm not a huge prospect guy, but he is that special. You can just see the numbers. You see what he's doing at the lower levels, the fact that he's already in double A. He's going to be in the major leagues before long next year. I would be wary about drafting him too high up, but last round or two, I'm totally there as like a speculative. Maybe he ends up in the big leagues sooner than we think. So I'm totally there for that. Uh, very happy to take him uh, with one of my last two picks. Just you know, don't be you know middle of April saying where is he? Where is he? Where is he? It might take a little while, uh, but I do think at the end of the day he is likely worth taking. Uh, with maybe your 30th round pick or whatever last round it is, uh, Yahoo, NFBC, whatever it is, I could see definite arguments be made to take Jackson Holiday right at the end there. But guys, that'll do it for us today. I really appreciate all you continuing to hang out and drop questions over on Twitter. That much is very appreciated. As we go down the season, you start to wonder, is anybody still watching? Anybody still seeing? Anybody still listening? It's good to know you guys are still out there. It's good to know that some people are not jumping over into football just yet. I know we'll get there, and everybody will be in football mode within a month or two. Uh, but I'm glad you guys are still here. You guys can reach out. Any questions, comments, or concerns, anything like that, uh, at JoeOrico99 over on Twitter. Ethos Fantasy BB as well. Make sure you're following over there. It's more important than any other account you can go follow 
in terms of baseball for us because that's where we repost all of our podcasts, articles, news, everything we got going on on our baseball side. So make sure you're checking us out over there. And, of course, like I said off the top, sportsethos.com if you're not somebody who uses Twitter. You're one of the smarter ones at this point if you are. But, guys, we'll leave it there. We'll pick it up again tomorrow. We'll talk about some news of the day. We'll look back on the All-Star game. We'll see what's going on if anybody gets hurt or anything like that. I mean, we'll touch on Luis Robert because there was some not great news today. But we'll get to that tomorrow. Until then, guys, take care. Have a great night. Cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.